good to see lots of new faces. Thank you uh, for the family coming out to support little baby Huxley, who is possibly the cutest baby ever existed other than my three children, obviously. That <laughs> just goes without saying. But uh, lovely to see lots of uh, new people here today. Couple of little uh, public service announcements. Um, we've got lots of babies, lots of young ones. So we do have the, for walking and up, um, are available to go to the preschool. Um, if you want to keep them in, totally fine. We love kids. We do not want anyone to feel awkward about their child if their child makes a noise. Okay, this is not going to be one of those churches where they get the look from the preacher, like, are you going to take that baby out? Are you going to take the baby out now? Um, however, if you do feel like you want to get a little bit of privacy, we have the room at the very back corner in front of the sign that says parents' room. Uh, that is uh, just a space where you can go, you can feed, you can change. There's a change mat there. Um, and the, everything that happens in here is sort of funneled through a speaker in there. So you can't get away from me by doing that. Uh, you can hear exactly what's going on. Um, and also we have a little play area at the back if you want to be part of the room, but your kids kind of get a little antsy or whatever. There's some toys back there. They're welcome to do that. Okay, we all good? Good. All right, so for those of you who are just joining us today, we kind of um, started in on this new series called Beyond. And it's a series on the Great Commission, which is one of the most famous passages in the Bible, one of the famous, famous collection of verses in the Bible. Some of you will have come across it before. Some of you will come across it so many times you could almost memorize it and you're kind of sick of it, and why can't we just preach on something else for once? Some of you may have never heard of, of it before. But it really cuts to the very heart of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be part of the church. So for those of you who are being Christian your whole lives, who have been Christian for a while, and, and this really kind of applies to you. This is a thing directly aimed at you. If you are not a Christian, if you're kind of still trying to figure this out, just wondering... What is going on here? This might give you a little bit of an insight as to why people keep pestering you about it um, and why people talk to you and share with you about what their faith means. Uh, it comes back to some of this stuff here. So we're looking at uh, the second week of this where we get to the meat of the command. Last week, we kind of set the stage a little bit. Um, in verse, I'll, get, I'll put up the whole passage here so you can see it. Last week we looked at verse 18 where Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven on earth. And we took a deep dive into that and, and the sort of the rich historical context of that. If you did not get a chance to see or hear that last week, I recommend you jump on the website, churchnorthwest.nz, um, and then look at the podcast on there and have a listen to it. Not because I just need you to hear more of me, although I do, and I think it's going to be good for you. No, it's, it's a good context for what is happening in this moment, okay? So um, we have a look at that, and then this week, we look at the second part, this key sort of command, where Jesus is looking at his disciples, and he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Nine words. That's all. Nine words. Nine words that have absolutely changed everything. I mean, can you imagine nine other words having the kind of impact 
that these nine words have, especially in the lives of the people hearing it. The disciples who heard it 2,000 years ago, of all of the things that Jesus had done and said, of all of the things that he had turned their lives upside down, he had changed the course of their lives, he had done amazing miracles, he had like shaken them to the core. These nine words would have the biggest impact of all. It would take this little band of fishermen and farmers and workers and it would send them all across the world. It would send them to every corner of the known world, to the doorsteps of the very center of the known universe, Rome. And it's not just them as well. Because for two millennia, those nine words have been hard at work driving men and women all across the globe. It's been pushing them to every nook and cranny on the planet, sharing the news about this guy, Jesus. This man who has changed everything. And you know what? It's those nine words that really cut to the heart of why Church Northwest exists. Why we even started it in the first place. We're two years on now, and you come along and it's great, and you might be wondering, why? Why did you do this? Why start a church? And it comes back to this. I want to show you the mission statement of our, of our church. So from the very beginning, we had kind of really driven by the idea of going out, making disciples. We word it like this. We say we want to help each other take our next step towards Jesus. Um, Nate was looking at this earlier. We're probably going to talk a lot about this because it's really, really important to us. And it says, you can see it right there in that first line. Helping each other take our next step towards Jesus. That doesn't sound like evangelism. It doesn't sound like sharing faith. It doesn't sound like the words that Jesus used of go and make disciples. But if you think about it, everybody is at a position, right? Everybody is on a journey. Everybody is on a pathway Maybe they're moving away from who God is. Maybe they're moving towards who God is. Maybe they don't know where they are in relation to God. Maybe they don't care. He's just one of those four. But each one of us is on a journey, a pathway. And the only thing that we can do is take our next step. And so what we want to do is we want to help each other take that next step. For some people who have been Christians a long time, like Nate says, that step is kind of down here of getting closer and drawing closer to him and, and doing the things he wants us to do. But some people are down here. They don't even know who Jesus is. They don't like Jesus. They don't like the church. They don't like religion. They don't like all of this stuff. And for them, the next step may just simply be breaking down some of those barriers or answering some of those questions, acknowledging and working through and processing some of those things that are blocking them from thinking about who God is. That's what we're doing. That's what Church Northwest exists to do for those who are Christians and for those who are not yet. The second part of it is we're a community defined by growing faith in Jesus, which we work on through Sunday mornings where I'm talking to you and we open the Bible and we dive in and we do small groups where we learn together and we try and grow deeper in Him. A genuine love for all people, we kind of harp on that a little bit of trying to create a community, a space where people feel like, I belong here. Like, whether I believe or not, I, I kind of, I belong. Like, this, this is a place for me. That's what we want to do. And we've been focusing on those two things for the first couple of years. 
But this third one, we've been doing a few things, being an active hope for Northwest Auckland and beyond. We, we've sort of partnered with a few organisations like the, the food bank, the local food bank, or Back to School Project, you guys remember that one, where we're helping kids get all of the stationery they need to start their education journey on the right foot. So we're doing these things, but we haven't really got to the thrust of what we want to be about as Church Northwest. And that's our dream for this year. That's what we want to be about. We want to be about bringing this idea of hope and of faith to the people in our community. There's, uh, to that point, we've, we've got this exciting new sort of, I don't know the right word, campaign is kind of too clinical, but like this, this sort of drive that we're going to start in the next month called Love Thy Neighborhood. And this is going to be uh, for the next year of our lives as Church Northwest. This is going to be our focus. This is what we want to do. And it's a chance for us to bring our faith, our love that God has given us and spread it out into the people around us. And there's going to be a lot more details of that coming later on in the next few weeks. I'm probably going to mention it again this morning. Um, but be looking forward to that and uh, we'll fill you in. So, nine words. Let's check them out, shall we? Because you can break those nine words down into four different sort of phrases, four ideas that really help us to understand what Jesus is telling us. And there are certain issues that kind of go along with each of them that may have held us back or maybe we don't understand fully. So we're going to jump in. The first word is, therefore, I just wait, I'm just checking you're awake, that's all. Just making sure you're with me. Therefore, I had a professor in university who always said, if you see a therefore, you've got to ask, what is it there for? <laughs> he was a good teacher, not a great comedian, but he, uh, he, he did his best. So the very first ver uh, word in this verse pushes us right back to the last verse, which is, again, why I said, go listen to the last week's message, because the context sets up the reason why. And we talked about how Jesus sort of fulfilled the entire promise of the Old Testament that he was going to be the one who was going to set up a kingdom, God's kingdom, that was going to rule the world. But not in a pinky in the brain weird kind of way, but in a, like, he is going to rule the world with love and he is going to bring everybody underneath his sovereignty. And so we're part of that plan to go out and kind of invade the nations, as it were, and, and bring all of those nations into the kingdom, right? But there's another aspect to this, because it's not just that God is this big, that Jesus is, is sort of declaring himself to be this big, powerful being, which he is, absolutely is. There is an element here where Jesus said, all, uh, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and he's kind of drawing on the entire story of the Bible to say that I am the chosen Messiah. I am the one, not only who is in charge, but I am the hero of your life. I am the one who is going to save you. I am the one who is going to fix everything. We were listening to, um, well, we were singing the song, um, The Goodness of God. What a great song that was. That was cool. I'm glad we've got that on the playlist now. And, and just this, it just made me think about all of the amazing good things God has done. And actually, because as a church planter, as a, as a person who's kind of leading a church, you kind of get caught up in the logistics of making this happen. 
and I've kind of I've got to say the right things, I've got to write this message, I've got to get this set up, I've got to put morning tea out, I've got to do all of this sort of stuff. And you kind of forget to just sit back and wonder at the God who set it all off. And I'm just thinking about the good things that God has done in my life. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the good things. And maybe you're thinking, God ain't done nothing for me. You know, maybe my life's hard and, and he's, if he's up there, then he's, he's got his arms crossed at me because things haven't been going well. And yet we can look around and we can see good things that he has done. He says, I have given you this amazing world. Yeah, you might be messing it up a little bit, but it's still pretty. It's pretty awesome. Have you seen a blue whale? I made that. It's cool, right? I've made this amazing world for you to live in. I have created the concept of family. Again, some of them not so great, but the concept of love, of connection. You know, we see these babies. What a blessing, especially for, for you guys and the journey that you've been on of, of not being able to and then, and then this, this miracle baby coming, this goodness. And God is saying, look at the goodness of what I do. Therefore, I have created this amazing world for you. Therefore, I have taken away all of the penalty for all of the things you've ever done wrong. Therefore, I have given you life and life to the full. Therefore, you could be in the most war-torn, desolate, poorest country in the world. You could be scringing for food. You could be thirsty. You could be disease-ridden. You could be in the worst possible place on this planet, and yet I have created for you an eternal future beyond this world that is yours for free. You can have it. Nothing can take that away from you. Nothing can destroy it. Nothing can break in. No army can overrun this kingdom. No poverty can ever touch you. You have absolute joy and absolute freedom for eternity. Therefore, therefore, go, make disciples of all nations. Because gosh, isn't it better? Isn't it better to be part of my family? So go and do that. Well, that's the next word, isn't it? Go. It's interesting, in the Greek, and you can start snoring now, but in the original language that this was written, there's um, the, the structure of the sentence is the word go is the commanding word over everything else. All right? It's the one verb. Everything else is sort of subordinate to the one verb, go. Go and make disciples. And when we think about verse 18, the verse right before, where he says, actually, I'm in charge, by the way, and, and I'm, I'm the king, now go. This kind of takes less of, a, of an idea of a suggestion and more of an idea of a command, doesn't it? It's this, this idea. We, we don't really have a choice. If we follow God, he says go. And yet we struggle, don't we? We struggle with that. We struggle to, to fulfill this. We struggle to go and do it. Why do you think that is? 
This is the part where I ask a question and you guys can give me answers. No wrong answers, just thoughts, ideas, things that may be personal to you or things that you're going to hypothetically say that other people struggle with. We understand. Uh, why do you think it's a struggle for us to go out and share our faith? It's scary. Why is it scary? I agree with you. It is. Hypothetically, you know, for other people, sure, why, why is it scary? Yeah, what if they don't like you? Does, what if you sorry, you said, what, what if it's, you get rejected for what you're standing up for? What if they don't like you? Doesn't that cut to the very heart of who we are? It's like, oh, man, if I'm going to open myself up about this thing that's really important to me and you call me an idiot and laugh at me, um, that's, that's going to hurt. Yeah, scary. Absolutely scary. Anything else? It does. It takes effort. Yeah. What's up with that? Can't I just sit back at my lazy boy and, you know, binge Netflix and it just happens? God's powerful, right? He doesn't need me. That's good. Anyone else? Yeah, I don't want to offend people. This is kind of tied into the scary part, but more on their side of things. Like, if I say something, especially in today's culture, about, you know, what I believe and, you know, who God is, yeah, people might get offended. Yeah. Anything else? That's good. These are good. Yes, Shannon. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. Yeah, I don't have all the answers. And you're like, here, let me tell you about this wonderful guy, Jesus. And they say, well, have you heard about this? And this is, here's this. And there's a contradiction over here in, you know, 2 Corinthians 6, whatever. And you're like, I like Jesus. So let me get back to you on that one. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, we often we have this sense of, I just don't feel qualified. Like, I just don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. This one is, yeah. What you're saying, it takes effort. I just don't want to. I just, I, just, I just don't want to. Not today, thanks. Anyway. But. All right, but this one. I don't have time. Like, I am so busy at the moment. I just don't have time to kind of go out and do this thing. because It takes effort and it takes time and it takes relationship with people. And I'm an introvert and I just don't really want to kind of put that sort of energy into it, right? These are the things that hold us back. And you know what? We kind of mock it a little bit, but they're real things that hold us back in a lot of ways. This is what excites me. Hey, it's back. This is what excites me about love thy neighborhood because this is going to eliminate so much of what holds us back by simplifying everything. We're going to do stuff that makes simple, easy, natural sense, right? Instead of starting, and this is going to shock everyone, instead of starting with words, we're going to start with love. Right? We're going to look for ways to serve and to care for the people around us and to love them. There's a saying, Theodore Roosevelt said this. It's been 100 years ago. He says, they won't care what you know until they know that you care. That has never been truer than today. Like we talk about offending people because they know, people outside of the church, and you may be sitting here right now thinking, yeah, I've had conversations with Christians before. It's not fun. 
okay? Because they just jump right in with, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, and if you don't believe those things, you're going to hell. And so what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Huh? 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 And it's like, I don't even know you, man. Like, I just, I just want to order, a, like, a burger or something. Like, let me just, you know. And, and so we kind of, kind of get ahead of ourselves without building that relational connection, without caring for people. So Love Thy Neighborhood is going to be all about that. And then as we do that, we're going to let the Spirit open up opportunities for us to lovingly share our story, our faith, and what God has done for us in the context of caring and loving for them. It's going to be fun. We're going to, let you, uh, going to tell you more about it. But I just want to, as we're thinking about the things that hold us back, I wanted to impress upon you that it does not have to be scary. It does not have to be intimidating. And for those of you who may be thinking that I'm going to end up on the other end of this, like I'm not a Christian and someone's going to talk to me, we're going to try and do this in a way that doesn't scare you off, that doesn't fulfill all of those negative stereotypes. Now, there's going to be some things that Christians believe that you may not like. It's just the, 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 the truth of it, because we believe things about who God is and about the way that we react to him and the way that we connect to him. And that's going to ruffle some feathers, okay? That's going to happen. But gosh, there's so much that we can do to kind of make it easier for people to explore and to understand, yeah? And I think it begins with loving. So that's coming. All right, moving on. This is the uh, part of the, the sort of sentence that makes non-Christians very nervous, He says, go and make disciples. Now, the tense of this is very misleading because it kind of gives the impression that we're doing it, right? It kind of gives the impression that we are the ones who make people Christians. And so when we sort of go through the process and maybe we build up our our confidence and we share with someone and then they, they reject us and they say, no. And they walk away. And you're like, hang on a second, what did I do wrong? And you have to go back through. I mean, because if I press all of the right buttons in the right order at the right time, it has to work. It has to. Because people are robots, right? So if I can at least get the algorithm right, then it will work. But people are not robots. It would be really handy if they were. Believe me. It would make a lot of people's jobs very, very easy. But that's not the reality of who people are. People make choices. So when we talk about making disciples, we need to understand that there are things that we do, there are things that God does, and there are things that the other person does, and you can't mix those up. So if we think about it, what is my role? My role is to submit to what God is asking me to do, to follow God, to be aware of the opportunities he's opening up for me, to share at the right time what my faith is, what the story is. It is my job to perhaps invite them into God's family, to make that, hey, do you want to be part of God's family at the right time? And it is my role to pray for them. I would also perhaps add it's my role to live a life that represents God well. Those are the things that I do and that's it. That's all I do. God's role is to get into that person's life and to work around in their heart and to to, to convict them, as a Bible word, of of sort of making them understand where their path is wrong and perhaps where God's path is right. And then it is God's job to ultimately bring them into the family, to save them. He's the one who does that. 
And I would suggest that their role is to choose him. That's it. So that means two very, very important things, actually. It means, one, if you are faithful and if you do the things you're supposed to do and someone decides not to become a Christian, you can't get the blame for that, right? Because that's between them and God. The other side of that coin is if you are successful and you do invite someone into the kingdom of God and they do become a Christian, you can't be blamed for that either. Because God's the one who did all the work, right? He gets the glory. So it takes a burden off our shoulders. And so when Jesus says, go and make disciples, he's not saying it's on you to make it happen. He says, it's on you to follow my instructions. It's on you to kind of step forward into that space. And it's on them to decide what to do about it. Yeah? I like this verse in Ezekiel. Notice the pronouns in this. God says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. He'll do that. That's not on us. So give yourselves a little bit of a break and let that be a motivation perhaps to step forward into that space. All right, last bit. Of all nations... Nope, that's not the right boldness, but that's all right. This is more about intentionality, I think, and willingness than it is about travel plans. For different people, going to all nations is, looks different. So for me, or for my wife, sorry, um, we went to Bible college in the States together, and for her, going to all nations meant giving up her hometown of Wilmington, Ohio, and her family, and just all of that niceness, and going over to this sheep-obsessed island in the South Pacific. All right? For me, it was about returning to that sheep-obsessed island in the South Pacific. It wasn't about going out. It was about coming back home because that's where God wanted me. And I would like to suggest that going to all nations does not necessarily mean leaving the country. In fact, I'd even like to suggest it doesn't even mean leaving your street. Going to all nations is about going and extending yourself to people beyond yourself and following God's call. Because sometimes it may be to other nations, and we've got to be open to that. He's going to call some people to do that. Most of us, I'd like to suggest that most of us are probably going to stay put, and we are going to connect with the people around us. That's what the Love Thy Neighborhood is going to be about. Three times. I mentioned it three times. I want to see if I can get a four. But I'd also like to suggest that it means looking beyond who we are and looking beyond the people that perhaps look like us, that perhaps sound like us, that perhaps earn like us, that perhaps live like us, and reaching people of all walks of life that God puts in our path. Does that make sense? That's what all nations mean. All right. So there it is. Nine most important words in the whole Bible. And I don't know what kind of reaction you have to them. I don't know whether they excite you. This idea of going out and making disciples of all nations and God's going to be with us. It's going to be awesome. This is going to be great. That's awesome. I don't know if they scare the heck out of you and they make you want to curl up under your duvet in the fetal position. I don't know if they follow you like a cloud of guilt that maybe I'm just not doing enough. I'm not following this enough. I hope it doesn't. 
but you'd be in good company if it does. I know I feel that way a lot of times. But I hope you can also see that this does not have to be a big monster that you have to slay, this huge thing that you have to conquer in order to become a real Christian. That's not what's going on here. This can be simple. It can be easy. It can be natural. It can just be about helping someone take the next step. And that's what we're about. This church community is about helping you take your next step in obeying God as you help someone else take their next step towards knowing God. That's what our community is all about. We're in this together. All right, let me pray. Lord, dear, you gave us a hard one with those nine words. Go and make disciples of all nations. It's tripped up a lot of people and it's caused a lot of anxiety. It's also driven a lot of people to do amazing things. And we are here because of those nine words. We're here because someone decided to take them seriously. Our spiritual journey only happens because someone else tells us about you. So we're reliant on that, and we know the people in our communities are reliant on it too. So Lord, guide us as a church community to help each other, to encourage each other, to push each other forward to taking steps of faith into this area. Help us as a leadership to kind of create environments and and teaching and, and structure and, and advice around how we can do this in a natural way. And to each of us, Lord, give us confidence. Uh, give us motivation. Help us to remember the therefore so that we can go and do this and we can share your hope with the people around us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.